In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our Bible study tonight, or today, sorry. Actually, this afternoon. <laughs> uh, from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 18, we'll start from verse 22 to the end of the chapter. Uh, chapter 18 is about the trial of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I said before, the Lord went through six trials, three religious and three civil. First one before Annas, who was actually the father-in-law of Caiaphas. Second time is before the religious, before the Sanhedrin. Third time before Caiaphas. Then the three seven, one before Pilate, the other one before Herod, the governor of Galilee. Then he sent him back to Pilate. And this chapter actually now we started the first religious trial before uh, Annas. Uh, and the Lord, when he stood before uh, the high priest, he asked him, as we read in verse 19, about his doctrine and his teaching. Why he is asked about his teaching? In order to catch him with anything wrong. So the Lord tried to tell him what I taught was publicly. I did not teach anything in secret. So he told him, why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. So his answer meant all my teaching was public. I, I did not teach in secret. If you want to ask to know my teaching, ask those who heard me. Apparently this answer triggered one of the servants, as we read in verse 22. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like this? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? So, for his statement, when he told him, as to those who heard the teaching, Jesus was struck by one of the officers who stood by him. He implied that the Lord Jesus Christ had no right to so answer the high priest. However, in fact, the Lord Jesus Christ had said nothing disrespectful to the high priest's office. He just made a claim, a statement of the truth and legal facts and his rights, which was completely appropriate and within his right during the trial. Because he said, I taught publicly, 
So if the Lord had taught error, proper legal procedure required them to produce the proof. They should actually produce the proof of the wrong teaching. If they could not produce it, they had no right to strike him for expressing his legal right. That's why the Lord said, if I said something wrong, bring it. Where it is? Produce the proof. If not, why do you strike me? So, why this officer get irritated or got irritated? The statement that the Lord Jesus Christ had made would bother no one unless they knew that he was right and they were being frustrated in their offer, effort to convict him. They had no evidence against him. So they were irritated. So the Lord's interview before Anas uh, ended after the Lord said to the officer, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil, but if well, why do you strike me? Verse 24, then Anas sent him bound to Cleophas, the high priest. So the, the interview or the investigation before Anas ended here, and Jesus and, and uh, Jesus was sent to Cleophas bound. And when he went there, Cleophas was the head of the Sanhedrin. So the council of the elders and scribes gathered. This is the Sanhedrin council. And the Jewish high priest was the head of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin considered the highest Jewish political body. Highest Jewish political body. It was made up of 70 men, or 72 actually, from the chief priests, were past and present high priests and their families, besides scribes, were Pharisees, lawyers, and copyists. The, the scribe, they copy the uh, scripture, and the elders who were heads of the various Jewish tribe, tribes. And the high priest, Kiafa, was president of the council. And here, St. John did not give us any detail about his trial before the Sanhedrin and Cleophas because the other three Gospels give a detailed information about this trial. John, he wrote his Gospel later on. That's why what was written in Mark, Matthew, and, and Luke, John did not repeat it. John actually focused on the events that were not mentioned in the other three uh, Gospels. Verse 25. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again 
and immediately a rooster crew. This was actually the second denial because the first one was in the same chapter in verse 17. The servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. So this actually was the first one. In verse 18, we see how it was called. So the officers and the servants made a fire of coal, stood there, and Peter actually warmed himself with them. So what John did after he mentioned the scenario, how Peter is standing with the officers and the servant, he went inside to the trial before Anas. Then after he mentioned to us the trial before Anas, he went to the previous scene of Peter uh, standing among the officers and the servant and recorded to us the second uh, denial of Peter. This is the second denial of Peter. Uh, so this is a continuation from John 18, verse 18, the same chapter, verse 18. Uh, and as I said, this event was interrupted by the trial before Annas. Peter stood among them and continued with the servant and the officers of the high priest, warming himself by a fire. This time Peter took an oath. First time he said, I'm not his disciple. Now, actually, he made an oath according to the other Gospels, saying he did not know Jesus. Why Peter denied? Why Peter denied? This denial did not arise from a sense of unworthiness. So he's not denying because he is unworthy. He felt unworthy to be a disciple. No. Nor uh, of, from distrust of a right to a such character. No. But because he was afraid of people, he was ashamed of Christ and afraid lest they arrest him with Christ. Uh, so we can see that between the trial before Annas and before the Lord went to the Sanhedrin to be tried before them and before Cleophas, Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. This was the second time. And John here, with the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we call this Gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, synoptic Gospel. Optic means vision. Right? Sin means, S-Y-N, means the same. So synoptic, same vision. Because Mark, Matthew, and, and Luke are similar to each other. That's why we call them synoptic Gospels. John is different than them. So the Gospel of John, along with the synoptic Gospels, record the fulfillment of the Lord's prophecy and Peter denied three times, because the Lord told him, before the rooster crows two times, you will deny me three times. Uh, St. John assumes 
that his readers actually know the result of the trial before Qiyafas uh, and he was condemned to death there. How he assumed this? Again, because Matthew, Mark, and Luke mentioned the trial before Qiyafas. And now his enemies took the Lord Jesus Christ before the Roman governor to get the sentence of death executed because they did not have right to execute the sentence of death. This was the right of the Roman government only. The Jews cannot kill anybody. Verse 28, Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Uh, the Synoptic Gospels account show that the Sanhedrin met very early in the morning to declare an official determination of the guilt of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then they took Jesus to Pilate. Pilate was the Roman governor of Judea at that time. And the Jews would doubtless have killed Jesus if they have the authority to kill him. But since the Roman government took this authority from them, they had to take him to the governor in order to execute their decision or the, the sentence. Uh, so they were subject to the Roman law and they had to have approval from the Romans to execute, to kill anyone. The Praetorium is a common hall. It was a place where the Roman governor heard and decided cases brought before him. That's the Praetorium. We know that they ate the Passover on Friday, or on Thursday. And this verse, it says, they could not enter into the Praetorium lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. So what time did they eat the Passover? Did they eat it on Thursday or on Friday? Uh, and actually, uh, I have a book called The Life of Jesus. In this book, actually, there are 31 different explanations or theories on the Passover, whether they ate it on Thursday or Friday. But uh, I'm not going to explain these 31 theories, but I will explain it very easy, yeah, very simple. One actually interpretation means they did not eat the Passover, doesn't mean the Passover lamb. But you know after the Passover, there are seven days, we call them the days of unleavened bread. And these days considered holy. So lest they, defile, lest they should be defiled so they can eat the Passover does not refer to the Passover lamb, but to the unleavened bread and whatever they will eat in these seven days. But another interpretation, which 
more acceptable. You know, the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar. Lunar calendar. So the beginning of the day, the beginning of the month, depends on whether they saw the, uh, they saw the crescent of the moon or not, like the Hegri calendar. That's why if, if we take the Hegri calendar, we, we see people celebrate uh, the Feast of Al-Fitr uh, on, on Thursday. But other countries say, no, we did not see the crescent, so they celebrated on Friday. So, during the time of our Lord Jesus Christ, there were many sects of Israel. So some of them claimed that the 14th of the month was Thursday. But other groups said, no, the 14th of the month was Friday. So, people ate the Passover on Thursday because this was the 14th day. Other people ate the Passover on Friday assuming this is the 14th day. That's why after the Lord ate the Passover, he was able to use leaven the bread to offer his body. If all of them celebrated on the 14th only on the Thursday, then he cannot use leavened the bread. But the fact that he used leavened the bread, because there is other group, they will celebrate the Passover the following day. And actually in this uh, setting, there is a divine providence. So on Thursday, God gave his body to the disciples. And on Friday, while the other group were killing the Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ offered himself on the cross. So, and this is the most acceptable uh, interpretation or theory in our church, how the whether the Passover is Thursday or Friday. So just, that's the most acceptable theory. So, lest they should be defiled, they consider the touch of a Gentile to be a defilement. They regarded entering of the house of a Gentile, like Pontius Pilate, as pollution. It is ironic that these men, so concerned with ritual purification, but have lost their moral scope in that they are willing to pollute their souls by lying in order to achieve their goal of sending an innocent person to a horrible death. So they did not care about polluting their souls, although they, are, they cared about the ritual purification. It is ironic also that even though they do not wish to contaminate themselves by just entering a Gentile residence, they don't hesitate to use the Gentiles, Roman government, to destroy their adversary, our Lord Jesus Christ. That they might eat the Passover, as one of the explanations, I said, not the Passover lamb for 
they had eaten on Thursday, but the feast of the 15th day of the month. That's another interpretation. Uh, verse 9, 29, Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, if he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. So because they refused to enter, Pilate went out to them. And unlike the Synoptic Gospels, John does not bother to explain Pilate's rank and title. He said Pilate went out and that's it. Because the evangelist John assumes that the readers know who Pilate is. Just as he assumed before, they know the 12 disciples. They know Mary Magdalene. All were introduced without explanation in the Gospel of St. John. Because in the three other Gospels, they were introduced who these people are. Uh, the Jews expected that once they present Jesus to Pilate, Pilate immediately will order his execution. But Pilate actually now is asking for the formal charge which they bring against him. What accusation do you have against this man? Pilate knew from rumors what this was. But now it's a trial. He is demanding the legal accusation without which the trial could not proceed. As the Roman official, he demands what crime Jesus has committed against the Roman law. So, the Jews, their expectation, they thought that the very fact they brought Jesus ought to be enough to bring a condemnation. That's why they told him, if he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. So why are you asking for any legal accusation? Uh, as if they are telling Pilate, don't question us. If we say he is guilty, he is guilty. Apparently they hoped Pilate we took their word for the matter and accepted their verdict without examining the evidence. Because they don't have any evidence. And when they said uh, this vague word, evildoer, uh, actually, they, they, there is no proof of any evil deed that he committed. So they expected that upon this assertion when they asserted to Pilate is an evildoer, Pilate will pronounce execution on him uh, and he deliver him to death. But Pilate actually, he did not like this answer. Verse 31, then Pilate said to them, okay, if you see him an evildoer, you take him and judge him according to your law. But 
they can actually execute punishment on Jesus, but not execution. They cannot kill him. So they replied, therefore the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So Pilate took them at their word. They said he's evil doer. He told them, go and punish him. They claimed the judicial right. Let them exercise it. If you say he's an evil doer, go punish him, discipline him according to your law. But their law gives them power to punish, but not the right of capital punishment. So if they claim that the matter is wholly within their power of judgment, then the sentence must also be limited to their own power, excluding the capital punishment. Uh, but for Pontius Pilate, he can only execute a sentence which is pronounced by himself after a formal trial. So he has to have an evidence, a legal evidence, in order to deliver our Lord Jesus Christ to death. When they told him, we cannot deliver him to death, we cannot put anyone to death, these words admit that they did not possess the power of life and death, while they imply that they had sentenced Jesus to death. So, Qiyafa and the Sanhedrin sentenced him to death, although they know it is not in their power to sentence anybody to death. So they verbally give up the power, but in reality, they claimed the power. They said, we don't have power to put anyone to death, although in reality, they sentenced the Lord Jesus Christ to death. And now uh, they want the Roman official to be their executioner, just to kill him according to the Roman law. Uh, John is the only gospel writer who offers this very reasonable explanation why they could, could not kill him, because it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. However, for the Romans to execute Jesus, the Jews must offer a charge other than blasphemy. Charge rendered, uh, uh, made him worthy of death according to the Roman law. But in the Sanhedrin, what was the charge? Blasphemy. And this was the charge by Sanhedrin, he blasphemed. But this charge, blasphemy, according to the Roman law, does not sentence a person to death. So to blaspheme Jewish ritual practice would not be considered a capital offense to the Roman, but would instead be an offense that is punished by lashing. That's only the punishment. No capital punishment by lashing and scourging him. This is probably why when asked by Pontius Pilate what crime Jesus had committed, the Jewish, Jewish authority hesitated to answer, because if they said it's blasphemy, Pontius Pilate would reply, I cannot kill him. Blasphemy is not a crime 
or a capital crime according to the Roman law. Verse 32, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. The Lord Jesus Christ said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all to me. So this is a prophecy. Uh, it was mentioned in John 12:32. If I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So by insisting that Pilate deal with the case, the Jews were once again without knowing fulfilling the Lord's prophecy when he said, if I'm lifted up, and proving that Jesus to be the very one whom they denied him to be, they denied Jesus to be the Messiah, then they proved that he is the Messiah. Why it is a fulfillment of a prophecy? Lifted up, this is death by cross. There is no other death except by cross to lift the person up. And crucifixion was not a Jewish punishment. It was, in fact, that he was executed not by Jewish authority on the charge of, uh, of blasphemy, but Roman authority on the charge of high treason. So, crucifixion was not a Jewish punishment. It is a Roman punishment. Uh, and when the Lord said, I'm lifted up, he's saying, I will die high, lifted from earth. And this is the death of the cross. So the Lord prophesied, and when they insisted that Pilate sentenced the Lord to death, they fulfilled the prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ that when he is lifted up on the cross, he will draw everybody to him. When Pilate found that he could not get any legal charge, he decided to try the Lord Jesus Christ by himself. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And this was a very important question for, for Pilate because if he claimed to be king, then he will lead a rebellion against Caesar. That's why he said to him, he heard by rumors that Jesus is saying, I am the king. So Pilate removed Jesus from the presence of his Jewish accusers and privately asked him, are you the king of the Jews? All the gospel accounts record this as the first word Pilate spoke to the Lord Jesus. The Jews eventually accused the Lord Jesus Christ of claiming to be king. This would, if true, be a concern to the Romans, since it would appear to make Jesus in competition with or in rebellion against Caesar. In truth, Jesus had nothing to ever imply rebellion against Rome. That's why the Lord answered Pilate, 
Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? The Lord did never let rebellion against Caesar. He told the people to pay the taxes, the tax money that Rome demanded. When Pilate questioned the Lord Jesus Christ about this accusation, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in turn asked the source of this accusation. Are you asking this from yourself or they told you? This actually was an important question for our Lord's case. To bring out whether the word king were meant in political sense. So if Pilate asking by himself, he means political king, with which actually Pilate has a right to deal with, because he has to defend the Roman Empire. Or whether he merely put up these words that he is king, he heard it from the accusers. And they have no claim to charge him. They have no evidence that he led a rebellion against Caesar. Uh, so, if the, when the Lord said, I am a king, he said it in a religious nature, not in a political nature. And in a religious nature, Pilate had nothing to do with. Uh, also, the question of our Lord Jesus Christ, did you hear, are you saying this from yourself or you heard others? It might also mean whether Pilate asserted this from the sentiments of his own mind or moved the question from anything he had observed. So, our Lord Jesus Christ desired to convict Pilate of his own weakness. When he told, told him, are you judging this case by yourself, impatiently, imprudently, with hastiness? Or you make this accusation that I'm a king? Or you took up this from others without yeah, proper investigation? Another reason why the Lord asked this question to Pilate, to expose the wickedness of the Jews, to charge him with this, that he said, I am a king. And they know very well in John chapter 6, they want actually to take the Lord Jesus Christ and appoint him as a king. But he refused and he went to the mountain. He escaped from them and he refused. And uh, they, he, when they refused to pay the taxes to Caesar, the Lord told them, give what belongs to Caesar to Caesar and what belongs to God to God. So here the Lord exposed the wickedness of the Jews. So Pilate replied in verse 35, Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? So, 
probably with the proud and haughty tone of a Roman military judge or procurator, Pilate said, am I a Jew? Yes, he was not a Jew, neither by birth nor by religion. So he never learned anything by the king, Messiah, nor read anything about the Messiah, the king of the kings. He knew political kings, but he doesn't understand the concept of religious king, the Messiah. And knew nothing of his distinguishing characters and properties by which he was described. He knew nothing of the characteristic of the Messiah, the King of the King. He had no real knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ other than what he had been told by Jewish authorities. And he was willing to listen to Jesus' defense. Then the Lord answered him when he told him, What have you done? Verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom, then he accepts that he is a king. My kingdom is not of this world. Don't worry, I'm not a political king. If my kingdom were of this world, if I'm a political king, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But I delivered myself by my own authority and by my own will to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So as if telling him, don't worry. I am not an earthly king. In the other Gospels, the response of our Lord Jesus Christ, you say so. You say so is affirmative yes to Pilate's question. But Jesus accepts the allegation of the Jews that he is a king, and now he proceeds to explain in what sense he is king. The dominion that he will have will be one over hearts and lives, not over earth. The authority of the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be arrested or overpowered by physical force. So, this authority over hearts and lives, this authority cannot be arrested or overpowered by any military or any physical force. And this answer was important, not only for Pilate to understand that there is no threat from Jesus, not only for the Jews to understand that he will never be an earthly king to restore the kingdom of David, but also it's important for each one of us that Jesus is my king. He came to establish a spiritual kingdom and he will be our king, our Lord, God, Savior and King of us all. Jesus has never come to be an earthly king. So his kingdom was not in competition with Caesar. And the Romans had no reason to fear he's not a threat since his kingdom and interest did not in the least break in upon or injure any others. And that this was the nature of his kingdom. And he told him, if I'm earthly king, if I'm political king, 
my servant would fight. Would fight. So he offered a proof here to Pontius Pilate that he had refused to allow his servant to fight. When Peter took the sword and cut off the ear of Malchus, he told him, no, put your sword back in its sheath. And he healed the servant's ear. Uh, and his own disciples would not have endured seeing him to have been betrayed into the hands of the Jews by Judas. And he wouldn't hinder them from attempting to rescue him, but he hindered Peter. They wanted to defend the Lord, but the Lord rebuked them for this. Can you find any earthly king intending to take government by force would insist that his servant stand idle while his enemies captured him? No. So how can they, they claim he came to be a political king? Would Jesus have acted so if he intended to use force to establish an earthly king, kingdom? The Jews actually expected Jesus to use force to restore the kingdom of David. And many times, actually, until now, we want God to use force against the enemies of God or against the enemies of Christianity. But it did not happen and will not happen because this is not the nature of his kingdom. So when the Lord said to Pilate, my kingdom, Pilate in verse 37, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. I was born to establish this kingdom, kingdom of God. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate seems to have spoken and asked, Are you a king then? in a mockery, not out of any desire to catch him in his words. Are you a king then? I will arrest you. You are a political king. You are a threat to the Roman Empire. No, no, no. He's making fun of him. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ neither claimed to be political king, not denied because he is an uh, heavenly king. So he said to Pilate, you say rightly that I am a king. And he said, my birth, and I came to the world for this reason, for this cause. The birth and the entrance into the world both refer to the Incarnation. But make clear that thought that the birth in the time of him who existed with the Father before all time. So he made clear that the birth and time of Jesus Christ who existed with the Father before time. And also this was the manifestation in the world of him who came forth from the Father. So my birth and time 
is the birth of the hypostasis of the Son who existed before time, but he was manifested to the world in time in the Incarnation. And this word, I have come into the world, I have come into the world. These words repeated several times in the Gospel of St. John, like John chapter 10, John chapter 16. So he's saying, yes, I have indeed a kingdom. I came into the world to be a king, to establish the kingdom of God on the world. And his rule is that of the majesty of truth. So he came to bear witness for the truth. And the kingdom is established by his witness to the eternal truth, which he had known with his father and which he alone could declare to men. So he knew the truth with the Father, and he is the only one who can claim the truth, declare the truth to people. So he came to be a witness. And by the way, the word martyr means witness. So he came to be a witness or a martyr to the truth. And to send forth others like the disciples, and until now, to be witnesses and martyrs to the same truth through the Holy Spirit who will guide us to all truths. So such was his kingdom, kingdom established of the truth, and such is the power by which it was to rule by the truth. That's why he said to Pilate, everyone who is of the truth, mean everyone who is of God, belong to the sheep of Christ, belong to this kingdom, knows the truth that it is in Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and life, and is on the side of the truth and stand by the truth. And he can hear the voice of the truth. As he said, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice in the Holy Scripture. And that not only externally, hearing the voice is not externally, but also internally, to approve of the truth, rejoice at the truth, is distinguish the truth, to hear the voice of his commandment, cheerfully obey the commandment of God and uh, make them uh, his uh, constitution because we love him, because our love to the Holy Trinity. Every mind open to the influence of the truth will hear the voice of God. So our Lord here not only affirms that his word had in it a self-evidence, self-recommending power, but gently implied the true secret of the growth and grandeur of his kingdom. Why the kingdom is growing? Because it's a kingdom of the truth. Verse 28, 38, I'm sorry. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. So Pilate now fully convinced that he has before him an innocent and harmless uh, man who was enthusiastic about his mission. 
So he asked him, what is the truth? This question, Pilate asked not waiting for an answer. So this question is not a question that Pilate wants to be answered. But he wants to make a point. According to Pilate, he believed that no one could know what the truth is. So when the Lord spoke about the truth, he wanted to tell him, no one knows the truth is. What is the truth? And, and this seems to him another issue, but it is irrelevant, because now he wants to see what the crime of Jesus Christ. That's why he didn't have a time or a will to deal with this question, what is the truth? And he left the palace and went out to the Jews. He went out again. Actually, if he waited, maybe the Lord would answer to him, what is the truth? But he missed a noble opportunity for himself to hear what the Lord Jesus Christ would say about what is the truth. He went out and told them, I find no fault in him at all. This confession is both to the shame of Pilate and to the Jews. How to the reproach of Pilate? Because later on, he condemned him to death. So how you say, I find no fault in him at all, and then you agree to execute him? And to the shame of the Jews, that after such a fair and full declaration from the judge, they insisted upon his crucifixion. It shows that our Lord Jesus Christ did not die for any sin of his own but he died for the sins of others on our behalf. Let's two verses in this chapter. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, No, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. You have a custom. There was a custom at the feast for the governor to release some prisoners, whoever the people wanted released. This custom was known both to the people and to the governor. And the purpose of this custom was a means by which the governor could attempt to please the people and gain their favor. So Pilate here proposed that the Lord Jesus Christ is the prisoner who would release uh, because he said the prosecution was of malice rather than for any just cause. However, this passage seems to mean that instead of steadfastly protecting the innocence of Jesus and Pilate come out and says, no, he's innocent, I will release him. He wants to appease them. And he wants he want to tell them, yes, he's guilty, and I will release him. So Pilate seeks, and this is considerably unwisely enough for him, in order to be popular and to have favor, uh, to uh, practically surrender the innocent one. So as if he's saying, I will release the innocent one. 
but in his power to release him without even asking his opinion. Because this custom about releasing guilty people, not releasing innocent, if he finds no fault in him, it is in his power to release him. And why he said to release the king of the Jews? This word also in mockery. So he's making fun of the Jews. Uh, but not of Jesus, because Jesus was inside the palace. Uh, but they asked it to release Barabbas. Barabbas is described as a robber in other gospels, a murderer and revolutionary. What does the name Barabbas mean? Bar means son, Abba, Abbas, father. So Bar Abbas means son of the father. That is the, the meaning of Barabbas, son of the father. So the irony here is, these people were so blind in their sins, they could not tell the difference between the false son of the father, Barabbas, because he was a murderer and robber, from the true son of the father, true son of God the father, Jesus Christ. So they wanted actually to release the false son of the father, and to crucify and to kill the true son of the father. But also this has a beautiful meaning. Barabbas represents all of us. All of us. We were children of the father. But in our rebellion, we were exiled from the paradise of Job. Then the son of the father, the true son of the father, took our sins in his body and died on the cross in order to restore us again to be children of the Father, to be Barabbas again. So we were released and we are called the son of the fathers and now we call God our Father who art in heaven because Jesus, the true son of the Father, died on the cross on our behalf. Pilate appears to have been fully convinced of the innocence of Christ and that the Jews, through envy and malice, desired his destruction. On this ground, he should have released Jesus, but he was afraid to offend the Jews. He knew that they were an easy people. They are difficult people and he was afraid to irritate them. To irritate them, that's why he released Barabbas and delivered our Lord Jesus Christ to be killed. This actually concludes our Bible study uh, today. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.